intentional psychological manipulation, in this case students, with behavior modification techniques that are well known, uh, well known and utilized by, by cults. The purpose of it is to uh, change a belief system. That's the ultimate purpose. Welcome, everybody, to Conversations That Matter. I'm your host, Alex Newman. We have a very special guest with us today. His name is Dr. Stanley Ridgely. He's a clinical full professor of strategic management. He's got a doctorate and master's in international relations, security, and the Soviet Union from Duke University and an international MBA from Temple University's Fox School of Business. Uh, he studied at Moscow State University and uh, at a business school in France. Uh, he was in military intelligence. He was a military intelligence officer and a Russian language linguist uh, during the Cold War. He actually was based uh, for five years near the Czech-German border and in West Berlin. And while there, he got the George S. Patton Award for leadership. Uh, so he knows what he is talking about. He's also the author of the video lecture series, Strategic Thinking Skills, uh, from the Million Dollar Seller, published by The Great Courses. Uh, Dr. Ridgely, it's wonderful to have you with us. You have a new book now. It's called Brutal Minds, and it's about what's happening on college campuses. Um, for the folks out there who've been living under a rock, uh, what is happening on college campuses that we ought to be disturbed about right now? Well, uh, thanks very much for having me on, Alex. Um, I think the book pretty much lays it out. The name of the book is Brutal Minds. The subtitle is The, the Dark World of Left-Wing Brainwashing on in Our Universities. And that pretty much grabs you by the, the, the collar and says, hey, have a look at this, because this is how our universities are being degraded. We all have great respect for the institution of, of higher education um, as being the crucible of knowledge, whereby uh, young people are exposed to the best that has been thought and said, according to Matthew Arnold, and that we want to pass on that that legacy, that patriarchy, if you will, that uh, uh, and to, to new generations who then are going to fashion their own contributions to, to that knowledge. Unfortunately, there's a group of people on almost all of our college campuses. They're, most of them are really not faculty. They're in the bureaucracy. They don't share that uh, passion for learning and passing on uh, the, um, uh, the uh, legacy of, of our institutions that the Enlightenment has bestowed upon us, uh, the idea of reason, logic, science, scientific method, and progress. Uh, they have a different vision for the university, and they, in their own words, are, quote, boldly transforming the university. Well, what are they trying to do? What are they What are they trying to transform the university from to? Their idea of the university is as a left-wing uh, indoctrination uh, uh, camp, if you will. The idea that there are certain truths that are accessible only through them, they being crypto-Maoist um, uh, people who are influenced by critical theory, not by our own founding documents and certainly not by the Enlightenment, but by neo-Maoist, uh, Paolo Frarian, neo-Marxist critical theory. I, I, I look to Herbert Marcuse and his famous phrase of the long march through the institutions. Uh, what we're seeing now is the fruition of the neo-Marxist, uh, Herbert Marcuse's uh, admonition to us that, we, that they should have a long march through all of America's institutions to burrow from within and seize those institutions. And that is what is going on in America's college campuses right now. Brutal Minds lays all of this out, reveals the mechanism, names, 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 schools, names, programs, policies, procedures, focuses on who the people who are being harmed by it, and most important possibly is to tell us what we can do about it. 
Yeah, and, and I want to focus on solutions uh, in our second segment. But uh, how did we get to this point, Doctor? Why why did Americans allow uh, institutions of higher education to be infiltrated by these people? And uh, you mentioned in the book, actually, you talk about Nazis um, and and how this kind of situation has emerged before and always leads to to terrible things. How did this happen in America? I thought we were different. Well, it has to do with the fact that it's it's not public knowledge. It's not hidden, but it's simply not something that the average person is going to explore. The average person believes that the university still has that that uh, enlightenment aspect to uh, you know dark paneled walls, uh, stuffy professors arguing points of uh, of uh, of order with each other, with you know the yeasty discussions, and you know the university is a place where lots of unusual personalities tend to congregate. I can vouch for that uh, uh, personally. Uh, and that's fine. And that's wonderful. It's a wonderful yeasty atmosphere. I love it because almost all the people here are pretty bright. And um, But the problem is, is, is that there's a group of people and they're in the education schools. And you asked me a very specific question. I'm going to give you a specific answer. How did we get where we are now? You look at the education schools and about 20 years ago, education schools have not had much influence uh, on the university writ large. Um, and that's a good thing. Um, but they found a way. They found a way out of their enclaves on the campuses, and they did it this way. They said, well, let's go ahead and we're going to create graduate programs that uh, will that will train people to fill positions in the bureaucracies. And we're going to train these people with degrees uh, that sound like this, uh, PhDs in student affairs and higher education leadership, uh, higher education administration and educational leadership. And these people are going to be indoctrinated with regard to Paulo Freire. He's a 1970s educationist from Brazil who is a crypto Maoist. We're going to train them in Freirean uh, educational ideology. We're going to send them out, graduate them, send them out into the universities for positions, to fill positions that were created just for them. These are not faculty positions. These, this is a, a kind of a circle of friends type of, of hiring. Now, the, why is this important? Well, these bureaucrats, uh, they're not there just to, they're not satisfied just to run karaoke night and to make sure the pizza's hot or make dorm room assignments. They are there to create what they call a co-curriculum. A co-curriculum was the fake curriculum, fake instructors with a, even a fake transcript. And in these this co-curriculum, they can run workshops and even classes, even try to give students course credit for this sort of thing. And this is the instrument by which these um, mediocre bureaucrats trained in this neo-Marxist ideology are able to, um, I'll go ahead and use the word brainwash. It's kind of a program of thought reform. Brainwash students uh, um, in these programs that are designated and required for students to attend for the most part. That's the mechanism that I see, and I can elaborate on that uh, in a little bit. Yeah, well, you you talk about Paulo Freire, and uh, I'd like to, I, I don't think he's very well known to Americans, his pedagogy of the oppressed. Uh, talk about why these ideas are so dangerous and how ubiquitous they've become in, you know, what I call the education establishment. You know, wh wh who is this guy and what is his influence? Well, Paulo Freire is an interesting character. He uh, he's not was was not a particularly original thinker. He, he received or got most of his um, theory from uh, from Chairman Mao Zedong's education theory. I mean, this is this is a fact. This is not something that is uh, that is in dispute. Uh, he was a crypto Maoist, and he believed that uh, that we should bring students to a um, feeling or a sense of critical consciousness. Uh, and this is the whole point of the brainwash to 
bring students to a point of critical consciousness where they can, the scales fall from their eyes and they can see, see clearly the power and privilege relationships within our society. You can't have American educational establishments and teachers and, and, and administrators saying, well, we want to adopt uh, a neo-Marxist perspective represented by the Frankfurt School of Critical Theorists, uh, represented by Horkheimer and Adorno and Marcuse. We can't do that because people will be turned off by, by Marx. We have to find a front man. We have to find a laundryman, so to speak, like, like, like a gangster to find someone who's going to launder their money. Ah, we have a third world uh, educationist who's not particularly original, but he is a crypto Maoist. He's on our side. He's buddies with Che Guevara. He's buddies with Fidel Castro. Again, all of this is in the public record. Why don't we launder neo-Marxist uh, crypto Maoist education theory through this guy? I mean, he's a kindly guy with a kindly visage. He's got a gray beard and uh, he's non-threatening. And no one knows what you're talking about when you say Paulo Freire and Freirean uh, ideology. Well, he's was Maoist through and through. And that's that's the danger of Paulo Freire. This is why the subterfuge has managed to work for so long. Wow. So this is fascinating, uh, Dr. Ridgely. We've got uh, basically bureaucrats who see the world through a Maoist worldview now staffing uh, key bureaucratic positions in universities driving our universities to the left. When we get back from this That's break, um, I, I want to delve into some of the solutions. You know, if parents out there are thinking about sending their children to university and, and how do we turn this around? What are the consequences if we don't? Folks, stay with us. We're going to be right back after this quick break. As a lumberjack, my job is pretty straightforward. I see the wood, I chop the wood. We even hear crazy ideas on how kids should learn. Visit thenewamerican.com for real news you can trust. Welcome back to Conversations That Matter, everybody. I'm Alex Newman, Senior Editor at The New American. Our guest today is Stanley Ridgely, uh, Dr. Stanley Ridgely. He uh, is a professor and also has a new book out called Brutal Minds. Uh, Dr. Ridgely, before we went to break, we were talking a little bit about the how this happened, what's going on. Uh, let's dig into the brainwashing. W what do you mean by brainwashing? How does it work? Well, people tend to think of brainwashing as, you know, something out of the Manchurian candidate with flashing strobes and hypnosis and maybe some physical duress. And that's not what it is at all. It is it is indeed a phenomenon with clearly defined activities. It is the uh, I'll give you a definition of it. it's a psychological manipulation, intentional psychological manipulation. In this case, students with behavior modification techniques that are well known, uh, well known and utilized by by cults. The purpose of it is to. Uh, change a belief system. That's the ultimate purpose. Now, it's usually, and it comes out of the social scientist, uh, psychologist uh, Kurt Lewin from the 1940s, but it also was developed by the Chinese, communist Chinese, and by American cults. It's three stages to it. The first stage is unfreezing the belief system, changing the belief system, and then refreezing the, uh, the belief system. Now, of course, no one is going to say we are you know, we're, we're offering a brainwashing course here. We're going to we're going to remove your belief system, change it to one of critical consciousness based in crypto Maoist Paulo Freire ideology. No one's going to say that. So instead, they say something else. They say this. They say they're going to run a social justice education program or they're going to in today's parlance, they're going to uh, have you learn about race or we're going to have a brave space or we're going to have a difficult dialogue or a uh, courageous conversation. This is the lingo that is used in the 21st century in 2023. Um, so what's, how does it work? Well, uh, the students who come in, particularly freshmen, are put off guard. They are 
told to suspend, literally told to suspend their critical faculties and their skepticism. They are told to make themselves vulnerable. They are told to uh, invest trust in the group that is established. And I tell students, you know, you don't need to trust these people. There's no reason to trust these people. They're a bunch of strangers. Uh, You don't know what they have up their sleeve. I mean, if you read Brutal Minds, you know what they have up their sleeve. They are trying to disarm you and your natural criticism um, of strangers so that they can solicit private personal information from you. Why? They want to attack you, destabilize your belief system, attack your, um, your sense of self, your identity. And then once they've succeeded in this and broken you down and gotten you uh, comfortable with revealing these types of things, they're going to change your belief system from to from the one you have now, usually one bequeathed to you by a, a long um, a long period and legacy of, of parental concern and guidance and moral and religious concern. And they're going to change that to a belief system that is grounded in Freudian critical consciousness. And then the third, the third process or the third step is to what they call um, refreeze. They're going to engage the student in lots of activities uh, to, to ensure that the new belief system doesn't erode, they, that they don't backslide. And one of the phrases that you'll hear is they want you to do the work. You'll hear this phrase all the time, do the work. And, and this is an indication that they're engaging you so that this new belief system uh, it does not erode. This is why students, especially freshmen, come home to that first Thanksgiving uh, break and at the dinner table, and they're so angry. They're so alienated. They have been taught to be this way by these types of programs. And a lot of schools and these student affairs types will tell people, Students, don't talk to your parents. Don't, you know, you want to establish your, you know, your stake in the ground. You want to, st- to start fresh and you want to listen to us. And so this is how the brainwash actually works. Does the brainwash work on, on everyone? Well, no, of course not. And the student affairs people recognize this and they focus on those students who are most tractable in the same way that cults target and call out the, what, they, what they call sheep and goats. And this is a goes to Richard Delgado, who, whose name is indelibly and probably inexorably associated with critical race theory in his prior, I should tell you, in his prior uh, incarnation, he was working very diligently on cults and the legal sanctions you could apply against cults. And he noted in his work that uh, the Unification Church or Moonies would welcome a busload of potential recruits. And they had behavior modification specialists watching these recruits, evaluating them. And they would see the folks who were just, oh, just overwhelmed with the the love bombing and the overwhelming acceptance. Those people were ushered one way. Then there were the streetwise young people who were kind of looking around, skeptical looks on their faces saying, what's this all about? What's this all about? They would usher them in a different direction, give them a perfunctory presentation, put them back on the bus back to the city. And in that way, they had no one in this group of recruits, potential recruits, that would issue a discouraging word or some say, hey, this, this doesn't sound right. It's not quite right. And so that's how the brainwash, how the brainwash works on campus. And it's on every campus, more or less, except for a few, you know, a few exceptions like Hillsdale and places like that. Um, but more or less, you'll find this type of program. And there's a reason why the program and the ideology is virtually the same on every campus. Um, it's not a conspiracy. There's a mechanism in place that ensures this is going to happen. Happy to share that mechanism with you. Well, let's, what's the mechanism? Let's talk about that. 
Mechanism is, as I like to tell people, that if I were to tell you, people say, oh, it's a conspiracy. No, it's no conspiracy. It's a mechanism. It's just like the IRS. If You know, you know if, that, that the IRS is taking money from your check every month, and you know the mechanism. It's not some mysterious process. The money's just not gone missing. There's a mechanism in place, and it's a bureaucracy. On the college campuses, there's this bureaucracy that is, uh, that is setting up and running this co-curriculum that brings students into um, these workshops to these difficult dialogues and courageous conversations. And I've told you how they get into their positions. They are trained in education schools. They're also trained by off-campus clubs. Um, there's the um, two, two in particular. These clubs are very important. It's not something where we can just kind of ignore them. No, these clubs are important. And one is called the uh, American College Professional uh, Administrator. Association. The other is the National Association of Student Professional Professionals uh, Administrators. These are the acronyms. I don't want to go and break it out every time. Uh, they are absolutely uh, important. They're over overwhelmed, over or immersed in the ideology of Paulo Freire, uh, without a doubt. I mean, I've read their literature. I've, I've seen their internal communications, and their job is to maintain the faith. And they bring these student affairs people into institutes and they publish literature that tells you how to conduct a brainwash. And moreover, these two organizations set the standards that education schools use in their graduate programs. So now you have the third corner. You've got the triangle of education schools, student affairs, and these off-campus clubs that are all interlinked. And their people are members of all three, sometimes simultaneously. I call it a circle of vice. Now, I do have an example that I can quote from this example of what a brainwash actually sounds like and what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Uh, here is a here's an example of a brainwash manual. It's called Teaching for Diversity and Social Justice. It's gone through four, uh, it's gone through four uh, editions. Now I mentioned the three-stage process of unfreezing, changing, and refreezing. That doesn't sound good to someone. I mean, if someone's going to tell you, Alex, I'm going to unfreeze, change your belief system, refreeze, that's not going to, that's not going to fly with you. So they use other terminology. And here's the terminology. Uh, the first stage is defending. And during this phase, and I quote, students undergo, quote, challenges to their belief system in an environment that is supportive and trustworthy, having, trying to break down that trust. The second phase is called surrendering. Students are presented social justice theory, crypto Maoist, Paulo Freire, and ideology. And here's a quote. The process for students is confusing, disorienting, and frightening. Students might feel out of control without known boundaries or familiar ground and may experience strong emotion, such as anger, resentment, and a sense of betrayal by those who were supposed to tell them the truth about the social world, end quote. They're talking about parents there. This is the brainwash in action. And finally, the last stage of refreezing, here they call this transforming, quote, a new set of beliefs becomes home base for interpreting experience and creating meaning. The past is reinterpreted and reconstructed into a new frame of reference, end quote. That's the brainwash laid out for you. And that's the, one of the books that they uh, propound this, uh, this idea of moving students down a series of stages along the conveyor belt to critical consciousness. This is hugely significant, as you know, Dr. Ridgely. And so now uh, the $500 quadrillion question, 
Um, how do we counteract this, both at the individual level, uh, you know, uh, say parents sent their child off to a university, they came back, you know, brainwashed uh, diversity and social justice zombie. Uh, they're just looking for brains. Uh, and then how do we change it at an institutional level, at a systemic level? How do we return our universities to what they once were and what they should be? Well, Brutal Minds, if I can, I want to make sure that people get, know what the book looks like when you go into a bookstore. Uh, Brutal Minds actually has two stages here. One is the long-term view, which we automatically think of. It's very slow moving. Um, people with kids in colleges want to know what they can do now, not what's going to happen 10 years down the line. We can celebrate perhaps a, a victory. Um, I offer a whole series of things that should happen to achieve that long-term goal. But right now, the first thing is to be aware of that mechanism that I described to you earlier. Most people aren't aware of this mechanism whereby the education schools are funneling student affairs people. These are not faculty. They're running a co-curriculum. And then you have these off-campus clubs that set the standards for this circle of vice. Students and parents, donors, alumni, faculty too, because most faculty are unaware of this, should be aware of this and be aware of their individual rights under the Constitution and under rights that are established by the Office of Human Research Protections. One of the main defenses that students can have is, where is the informed consent form that I need to sign to allow you to conduct your psychological experiment on me? That's one of the main things. And if they don't have one and they're collecting private information through games and or through um, various encounter group types of activities, you don't have to participate. Just say, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm busy. I'm not going to do that. That is that's an incredible power that students have that, you know, and freshmen are are usually scared. And this, they count on freshmen being scared and they count on the good wishes, the goodwill of the people who are uh, who they're, whose charge they're in. And they can undergo psychological damage uh, by these brainwashing programs. I should say that the DSM-5, the, the, uh, uh, the uh, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual on Mental Disorders treats brainwashing, it addresses brainwashing and the damage that can be done. You don't want your kid uh, and you certainly don't want, if you happen to be a staff member or a faculty member, let me give you a few tells to let you know that if you're going to be in a threat situation, okay, and you can simply opt out. These things are have such power, they have such influence because people don't know what's actually going on. The first tell is the odd labels that are given these programs. You're on a college campus and Someone says, oh, we want you to, this is a courageous conversation. This is a difficult dialogue. This is a brave space. This is a safe space. This is, we're just going to learn about race. These are all benign, relatively anodyne terms that they use to get you in there. We want you to make yourself vulnerable. Don't do that. Don't make yourself vulnerable. Don't trust these people. There's absolutely no reason for you to trust these people. They're up to no good. Uh, the second marker is the group leader will say, make yourself vulnerable. No, 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 thank you. The third marker goes hand in hand. They'll tell you, you know what? We're going to play a game. We're going to get to know each other. We're going to play a game like the privilege walk. You may have, you may have heard of this one. And this privilege walk is where you stand in the line holding hands, and then you are asked questions. And as you answer these questions about privilege, you either step forward or you step back. And at the end of this game, the people who have privilege, according to the list of questions, are standing out in front and they're humiliated. They are, they're not ridiculed, they're just humiliated. And what you've just uh, acceded to is a survey. You've acceded to us and answered questions that you otherwise wouldn't answer, but because it's a game, 
it's a revelation game. It's not a game of cornhole or ultimate frisbee. It's a it's a revelation game. They're trying to get information from you, and uh, this is another indication that you're a part of a brainwash situation. And um, all of these games are designed to solicit and uh, obtain that's personal personal information. Those are some of the things I talk about in in brutal minds and what we can actually do about it. Because there are a lot of things we can do about it. A lot of things. Excellent. Well, Dr. Ridgely, I really appreciate you spending some time with us. Thank you for uh, for your work. Uh, folks, the book, again, is called Brutal Minds, The Dark World of Left-Wing Brainwashing in Our Universities by Dr. Stanley Ridgely. Uh, Dr. Ridgely, thank you once again. Hopefully we'll catch up with you very soon. Folks out there, thank you for tuning in. I'm Alex Newman. This is Conversations That Matter. Go check out the book. Until next time, God bless you all. Here's the news, Dad. Is it, son? Is it? What about this one, Dad? Nope. It's hard to tell what's real and what's fake these days. There's just too much baloney out there. At the New American, they cut through the baloney and give me the truth. The truth is hard to find, but the New American has it. Check it out at thenewamerican.com.